Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Let me talk to all of you guys about one of our tenets of fantasy handicapping and how it applies to a bunch of questions that I've been getting particularly on social media. I guess that's where they would happen, but also in the forums a little bit, mostly on Twitter, and how it ties into how we're grading out some of the players that we're picking up. Because I feel like in the offseason, it's really easy to list this particular tenet, and it feels almost too obvious. Because you're not getting individual, tiny sample size pieces of information that can swing you in another direction. And the tenet I'm talking about, it's one of two, really. Remember, we had two tenets we talked about at the end of the season. We'll probably do it again this year. Tenet number one, usage is value for like 99% of situations. There's always that one outlier where their usage drops, but they get so much more efficient that the value goes up, or like defensive stats. Josh Richardson was a weird example of a guy whose usage went up, but his value didn't, because he forgot how to get steals and blocks, and his field goal percent tanked. That's the exception. The other tenet is that opportunity is value. Opportunity meaning minutes a chance to be a part of what your team is doing in a significant and consistent way. The reason I bring up this tenet, because it's not, this isn't even a rant. I, I, have, I have no beef right now. Like yesterday was such a quiet card. I'm, I'm in perfectly reasonable spirits at, the, at, at this current moment. The reason I bring this up right now is we're seeing it with possible streamers and we're seeing it with guys that got drafted on draft day when you're prepping for draft day it's very easy to look at the board and say oh i'm gonna take the guy that's playing that's likely to play 28 minutes ahead of the guy that's likely to play 20 because you're grading out what you think they're gonna do over an entire season over an entire season the guy who's playing eight to ten more minutes per ball game additional minutes over player B, has a much higher probability of success. Once you get into this little, uh, the the day-to-day, the one-game sample size, some dude might play 20 minutes and score 24 points. And another guy might play 30 minutes and score 8 points. And then it's very easy to say, oh, I should be picking up the guy who's playing 20 minutes when we know that if we looked at this stuff over the long haul, There's no way we'd be making that choice. And the player that inspired me to start our discussion with this particular chat is Alec Burks, who has actually had a pretty good couple of weeks doing fill-in stuff in Detroit. But his minutes over that stretch have been pretty well locked into the, well, 17 to 24 range, which averages out if you're just going to take the average of it, is somewhere between 20 and 22. Around 20 and a half would be the actual average of those two numbers. Uh, But for him, it's been like around 21. And it's really easy to look at the numbers and what he's done and say, oh, 
This dude's playing just under 21 minutes per ball game. And look at his game log until last night, obviously, because last night, like that's not the reason to talk about this right now. In fact, it it made our it made my argument easier, which is not what I wanted. I wanted it to be a hard one. But if you look back at November 18th, he played 24 minutes in LA against the Lakers in a loss. He had 23 points in 24 minutes. Next day, or next game, I should say, 16 points in 25 minutes, 21 points in 21 minutes, 18 points, 19 minutes, 17 points, 18 minutes, 17 points in 25 minutes. And he was scoring quite a lot over that stretch. And so, but he wasn't on any of my lists. Why wasn't he on my lists? Well, opportunity. Alec Burks, throughout his NBA career, has never been a guy who had fantasy value in 20 and a half minutes per ballgame. He'd barely been a guy who had fantasy value in starters minutes per ballgame. I mean, it was really like you pick and choose. He had stretches with the Knicks each of the last couple of seasons where he had posted fantasy value. Last year, he played 28 and a half minutes per ballgame. And frankly, you got a pretty good idea of what Alec Burks is in a mostly full-time role. Now, his field goal percent was was exceptionally low last season. He Over his career, he's more of a 42. Last year, he was at 39. If you adjusted that 39 up to 42, he would have been probably like a 80 to 95 range guy in full starters minutes. So if you're wondering why I didn't put Burks on any of my stream boards, it's because in 20 and a half minutes, there was just no way long-term he was going to average 17, 18 points per ball game. It just wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to hit that many three-pointers. You know, last year he didn't hit two in 29 minutes per game. This year he's taking 10 shots in 20 and a half minutes. Last year he took nine shots in 29 minutes per game, and I get it. Some of that was because last year he played alongside R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle for stretches, guys that were going to suck a lot of the touches away. But there's never been a point in Burks' career where he's had this level of usage. Never. There are times where he got close. But 10 shots in 20 minutes is just not a sustainable number as fatigue starts to set in. Uh, He's also had a steal in 20 and a half minutes over his entire career. He's been more like 0.7 steals in 23 minutes per ballgame, so that doesn't add up. There's a lot of stuff you could look at there and just say, okay, this doesn't make sense. 5.6 free throws in 20 and a half minutes. He's never averaged 5.6 free throws in any amount of minutes in his career. Any of them. So it was pretty easy for me to look at that and say, all right, like, I know, we all know from watching Burks for over a decade that 20 and a half minutes per game isn't enough. It's not enough. If he was consistently getting 25, I might start to look at him because with Cade down, they were going to need somebody to actually soak up a little more usage. So it's possible he would have had, you know, a higher usage rate this season than he has had throughout his career. But 20 and a half minutes isn't enough. We know this. We know this because of history. We know this because of applying his fantasy game to a 20 and a half minute per game role. And so I have to remind everybody, again, those of you asking, why isn't Burks on your streamer board right now? It's because we have the portfolio on him. I've liked Alec Burks. I have no problem with with his fantasy game as a whole. But we know that 20 and a half minutes is not going to be enough. And if you start to sit on 20 and a half minutes of Burks, you're going to get stuck with that wrong side of the coin type of ball game. 
because it always averages out. It's also worth pointing out that even when things were rolling pretty well for him right now, he still wasn't really a fantasy value because he wasn't doing anything besides score and hit a couple of threes. And free throw. We can give him a little bit on the free throw side. He was okay there. Imperfect, though. You know, he wasn't like beasting the free throw line. It was a small positive. Threes were a small positive. Points were a small positive. He wasn't getting any steals or blocks. I mean, he had that one three-steal game, but that sort of, again, mucked up the numbers. He wasn't passing. He's not rebounding. So what exactly is it that I'm look like, I get it. He scored a bunch of points in a few ball games, and that's going to get folks to ask about him. But we know what he is over a full haul, and 20 and a half minutes isn't enough. And the other player I want to talk about on this front is Christian Wood, who's actually a kind of a different storyline in that his minutes are at 25 and a half. And his free throw is always going to be the thing that holds him down. And frankly, like, he's just not that great of a reality basketball player. He can score a bit. He can rebound a bit. But defensively, he's been lacking throughout his whole career. He's kind of a punt free throw guy. And he fits a team's offensive need much more than their defensive one. Still, that said, his steals and blocks probably do trend up a little bit over the course of this year. And it's one of the big reasons why we didn't draft him. I said I didn't want anything to do with Christian Wood. I didn't trust his role on that team. There are a bunch of centers, especially once they said he was coming off the bench. You know, maybe he ends up starting at some point. I don't know. Uh, But defensively, there are too many holes with him, and that's why his minutes haven't just been guaranteed every ballgame. When he's having good ones, he gets a bump. When he's having bad ones, he gets yanked. He was a minus 16 in their win over Golden State yesterday. They won by three. They were 19 points better with Christian Wood off the court. And he's been a negative pretty often this year. At least as often as he's been a positive. I guess that's the case kind of for the whole Mavs when you're a 500 ball club. That would actually make sense uh, just from a mathematical standpoint. But this is another thing where you're talking about opportunity. The opportunity was always going to be harder for him. The hope was that playing for a better team would kind of wake him up to the things he was doing wrong, defensively in particular. So far, a little bit is, I think, probably the result of that. Some, but not enough to just be like, oh, Christian Wood, go nuts for a whole ball game. It hasn't been there yet. Would I trade for Wood right now? Because he's sitting outside the top 150 in 26 minutes per ball game. I mean, they're just like, even if you cranked him up a little bit, I don't know how high that can really go as long as his turnovers are high, his free throw percent is low, and his steals and blocks are not what they were when he was playing for a sort of like a playground kind of team. Now he's on a team that needs to win. He can't just gamble roll around on skates all game long. He has to have some sort of principles. Ah, well. Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. I thought we'd have a minute or two because it's a real short recap uh, on that Tuesday card. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vespers. The wild and woolly stream board might get a little bit shorter. The big news of the morning is that in... Well, the span of... When did the news come out? In the span of about 
20 minutes, we found out that Chris Middleton is targeting Friday to make his season debut. If that doesn't happen, it would probably be the Bucks' next ball game. And James Harden is targeting Monday to make his return, not a season debut, that would be a return from injury. And honestly, I'm okay with all of that. You know, if the Harden return hurts Shake Milton and DeAnthony Melton a little bit, I'll get over it, because I have like three James Hardens of my eight, I think I have eight cash teams this year. I would really like, even if I, you know, if I have to drop a couple of Miltons and Meltons to get Harden back, I, I think, I think I'll be okay with that. There really hasn't been a, a great stream out in Milwaukee, so the Middleton return, you know, and folks have picked up Grayson Allen. That would be a huge get, because I feel like I got bamboozled this year. You know, I hate drafting injured players, and so I had a number of drafts that were like four or five days before the season started. I try to get them really close to the beginning of the season without going too close to the beginning of the year, because then if something goes wrong, you have no place to reschedule it. And then, like, two days before the season started, the Bucks were like, oh, yeah, by the way, Middleton's not going to be ready to start the year. And I thought, oh, not ready to start the year. Oh, no, I'm going to have to wait two weeks. Here we are, six and a half weeks later or whatever it's going to be. This is not what any of us expected. I was tricked. I was bamboozled. I was horn-swoggled. Yes, the full swoggling. Brutal, man. I've had so many teams sitting on Chris Middleton so far this year, and it is killing me because the real problem is that if you typically if you draft an injured player, you can get them really late. But because nobody knew Middleton was this injured, he went like basically where he was going if he was healthy. Maybe like one round late. That's awful. How many Middletons do I have? Three Middletons in my eight cash? My goodness. Anyway, if he and Harden come back, I'll be in a much better mood. And I'm sure you guys will be as well, because you probably ended up with some Middletons. He was not on the Dan Vespers old man squad on the final iteration because they did finally drop that injury news on us. He was on earlier iterations of it, which, I mean, that hurts. Because, again, if you'd had your draft before they told us he was going to be out, quote-unquote, to start the year, then you probably ended up with a dude who ended up, ended up missing six weeks. We didn't even know it. Son of a gun. All right, I digress. I'm at Dan Vespers on Twitter. I do hope you guys will follow me over there. I continue to do a lot of lifting on social media, particularly on these busy days. That's when we got uh, all sorts of stuff to go over. Particularly, I mean, we had that news on social, whatever it was, an hour and a half, two hours ago. Whoo, boy. Also, Time Lord Robert Williams was seen shot blocking at practices. That's a good sign. He's still not that close to coming back. I think the hope is that... uh, they're targeting around Christmas. I still think that could get pushed back past January 1st. But he falls into another discussion point that we once again have the fortune of time for on today's show, thanks to the extremely short recap from Tuesday, which is how long do you stash an injured player? And my take is that if somebody's top 50 or better, go six weeks then you almost always beat everybody else's stashing him. Now, with Robert Williams, because of drafts, you know, he was a top 20 per game guy last year. Uh, he typically got drafted. And so then if you drafted him, you probably are sitting on him because you kind of planned for it anyway. It's a little different. Like, if he started the year, played two months, and then got hurt, and they were like, oh, he's going to miss the first, he's going to miss two and a half months, you'd see him get dropped in a lot of spots. As it was right now, uh, m- most 
places where he was drafted, folks just ha- were hanging on to him. I think I saw him got dropped in one of my eight leagues, so pretty low probability he's floating around out there. But if he is, you're now inside that six-week marker. So make sure he's not. Just do a, a cursory glance. You might He might have gotten dropped, and you might not have even noticed it. Go out, go check on it. Um, by the way, top 75, I think I'm willing to go like in the three of the four-week range, which like puts Cam Johnson right kind of on the borderline between a few things. And then uh, top 100 or better, I, don't, I typically don't go more than about two weeks with those guys. If they're going to miss more than half a month, you, you can... Particularly in head-to-head. I mean, Roto, it's a different discussion. You can just plop these guys on your bench. But head-to-head, I don't think I'd take more than two weeks of, of goose eggs from someone who's not that great anybody. Anyway. Okay, let's actually get into the basketball from yesterday. We'll see what we can do here. Kind of kind of plunk our way through it. Uh, New York blew out Detroit. This is a, a truly ugly ball game. Somehow Julius Randle still ended up needing to play 31 minutes, which is just like such a Tom Thibodeau thing to do. Uh, Quentin Grimes had a nice ball game, but we're not doing anything with it because he's had starting chances already this year, and he has done next to nothing with them. In fact, he's played 30-plus minutes, or around 30 minutes. Let's just round. Let's see, he's been around 30 minutes his last five ball games in a row, and you know, thanks to this last one, which was a better game, that pushed him into the 90 range over that stretch, but prior to that, he was sitting well outside the top 100. I think you can get away with just a watch list on him. And you're also going to see a little bit of a hot hand thing going on where, you know, if he gets off to a slow start, he might just get the plug pulled on him for, you know, someone like a Cam Reddish, for instance. Lord, I wish Emmanuel quickly got more playing time. He doesn't, so we can't do anything with it, but man, that would be nice. Mitchell Robinson, another solid ball game. That's two in a row. Isaiah Hartenstein actually looked a little better in this ball game. Forever to, I mean, 14 minutes isn't good enough, but for whatever that's worth, he did play a little better, and that's something that we should at least keep our eye on. Um, I think you can probably get away with a drop on Hartenstein if you're not in the extraordinarily competitive league where someone would grab him and just kind of sit on him for a while. In most head-to-head leagues right now, if he got dropped, he'd probably stay on the wire. Uh, because he's been falling. He's outside the top 100 now, and he's been trending that way since we found out, or about a week before we found out about the little foot thing going on with him. I would prefer to hold on if you can, if you can, but I get it is basically what I'm saying. I have a lot of guys where it's, I call them the I get it guys, because I play in more games cap roto, so it's a lot easier to just squat on a dude like that than on the head-to-head side where you're like, look, if I can get turn this into a streaming slot, all these guys that are just pouring in super stream games... I'm going to do it. I get it. On the Detroit side, I was kind of hoping Alec Burks was actually going to have a better ball game because it would have made my show opening reminder sequence a little bit more apt, but he pooped the bed, so you probably don't need a whole lot of convincing there. Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart's back. He had five three-pointers in this ball game. My goodness. My goodness. He's a start, by the way, especially with Cade out because all those guys, Stewart was going to be kind of fringy if he wasn't getting... You know, thir- you got 13 shots in this ballgame. That's a big difference for him. Difference between, like, 9 or 10 versus 12 or 13 shots. And that's the Cade effect. Everybody else is just getting a little bit more. Killian Hayes, 11 shots. That keeps him above the board. Boyan Bogdanovich didn't look good. Maybe he came back a little bit too soon. Hard to say. I mean, his team got steam trained, so whatever. You're not doing anything with it. Dallas, late victory over Golden State. Luka, huge triple-double, which, uh, 
not say that he needed it necessarily, but he was falling, and he was right on the cusp of dumping out of the first round before that ball game. And frankly, Luca is kind of like one middling game away from being a second rounder. He's done this before where he gets off to lava hot starts and then just sort of runs out of gas. I still think that, okay, so this is a hard one to say. Uh, if you built your team around Luca, you probably can't trade him because he's he's running your team in five categories. Points, threes, threes kind of, I guess. Rebounds, assists, and steals so far. He's actually been quite good in field goal percent, although I do think that probably continues to slowly trend down. Free throws, you knew what you were getting into there. There's just, you know, they're not going to be an 80%. That's just not what he is. Uh, so it's hard to sell on a dude like that, but I still think if you could, I probably would. Like, even someone like a James Harden, who's who's going to be really close, I think, in Luka, at least for the next little bit. But the Harden free throws, that's where he'll have an edge. There isn't anything where you look at Harden, you're like, this should definitely come down. Where you look at Luka, and you're like, yeah, those steals are not... He's not going to get two steals per game this year. I know he had four yesterday, but he's just he's just not. Nothing on the Warriors' side again. That There really hadn't been much over there in a while. I'm a Clay. Wiggins had slower ball games. You know, these things are going to happen. Uh, Steph actually having a slightly slower-ish. Like, it's hard to say that 32-5-5 and five was slower, but for him it was this year. And so now Anthony Davis is in sole possession of the number one slot in fantasy. He and Steph were kind of neck and neck prior to that ball game. And Shea, thanks to a couple of ever so slightly slower games, he's fallen back now into a statistical tie with Kevin Durant for the third spot. Shea shooting now 51% for the year, 92 at the free throw line, and uh, getting a rest day their next time out. But I wouldn't worry too much about it. I know that the shutdown stuff is, is in everybody's mind, but he's played in 20 games so far, and that's right in line with pretty much every other important fantasy player, at least to this point. I'm getting off topic. They didn't even play yesterday. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. slid into the starting five for Dallas. He had 22 points on five three-pointers. The good typically does not outweigh the bad for Hardaway. He is very much a watch list kind of player right now. But again, you know, this is this is a Berksian phenomenon, as we just talked about. This is a guy who needs full starters minutes to hit nine cat value because he doesn't get defensive stats. His field goal percent is low. His free throw percent is fine, but not otherworldly good. He doesn't pass. He doesn't rebound. It's all points and threes, which means there need to be a bunch of those. And maybe there will be. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Like, if he plays 30-plus minutes alongside Luka, he's going to get a bunch of looks let's probably wait and see. Unless you have something totally useless, you can cast off into the ocean, which, I mean, with the number of super streamers right now, I don't think that you really do. But Hardaway is worth a watch list spot after one good ball game. And the Clippers! Wow! Two, truly, this is the week of the big fourth quarter comeback. Clips were down huge, and they looked dead in the water. And then Norman Powell went nuts 20-plus points in the fourth quarter. He finished with 32-4-2, a steal. Missed a free throw late, or this really would have been a Mondo game. Uh, and then I know this is like... Actually, Marcus Morris is a wonderful example of the other side of our discussion at the beginning of this ballgame. If I told you somebody had eight points, four boards, three assists, and a block on bad shooting, you'd be like, pass. But then what if I told you 
that he got 13 shots and he played 32 minutes. And if he makes more than three of them, like maybe six, which would have been around his expected number of makes, like say you double the makes right now from eight points up to 14 or 16 with a three-pointer or maybe two. What if I said he had 16 points, two threes, four boards, three assists, and a block? You'd be like, oh, hell yeah, that's a great line. The magic of season long in the law of averages. You can continue to stream Morris and definitely Powell, as long as Kawhi Leonard and PG are out. Reggie Jackson had a good Reggie game, although the bad shooting was still a, a big part of it. He just, it's not often enough on the Reggie Jackson front, so I can't, I can't advocate diving in there. Uh, Terrence Mann was a guy that a lot of you asked about on social media. He's fine, you know, he's not going to blow the socks off the of anybody, he's not going to take the roof off the building, he's just going to be quietly decent when he has these bigger roles, he's been like right around top 100 as a starter lately. Field goal percent and free throw percent have been kind of high. Those probably come down. Steals and blocks have been kind of low. Those probably come up. It's just who he is. You know, he's a 100-range guy when he's getting more minutes. And that's fine, but not really for me. I'm hu- I'm hunting I'm hunting fatty upside. That's what I want with these super streams, and Norman Powell has definitely hit it with that one. Uh, the field goal, or his free throw percent, I should say, has been um, weird lately. So, like, the overall numbers are artificially deflated by the fact that he's shooting a high volume 73% at the foul line. If you wipe that out, turn it into his career mark, which is typically a good foul shooter, and he's only had a half a steal over that stretch, and he's generally been more like one steal in starters minutes, uh, well, then everything evens out. You know, he goes from 73% to 83% of the foul line. I mean, this has been a really good free throw shooter throughout his career. So, again, look at what's not right when you look at the rankings Powell's been all about the nice opportunity lately. You ride that, and you assume that, you know, he's got a ball game that comes up where he'll probably hit eight at eight foul shots, and then everything will be fine. Nothing to do with Portland. Um, oh, we did get a report yesterday, kind of in the late, mid-late evening, that Dame is trying to come back over the weekend. So we might get him back also, which is wonderful, too. We got three stars coming back, maybe within the next six days or so, five, six days. And only one of them blows up any super streams. How cool is that? Although certainly on the Dame front, uh, guys like Simons and Grant, who are startable anyway, will see their fantasy value fall off a cliff. I mean, Simons has been taking every shot on the planet with Dame out. But also, they're losing. So, like, Portland got off to a really good start this year. They're 3-7, and seven, their last 10 ball games now, which is basically the, when did we lose Dame? I think they were 7-3? and f- three? No. 8-3 and three to start the year. Sorry, I can do that math. And then they've fallen flat on their faces. Got themselves a bloody nose. Anyway, uh, so that would be sweet. Get Dame, Harden, and Middleton all back around the same time. Hey, last chance today to enter the Manscaped giveaway I've got going over on Twitter. Make sure you follow me at Dan Baspers. Hunt down the Manscaped tweet I sent out, which I know easier said than done, but I told you uh, I threw it out there yesterday in the late morning, and I threw a reminder out today around 9.30 Pacific time. Uh, so if you want to get involved, make sure you reply to that one. Obviously, you have to be following me to get involved in the, in the runoff. 
Uh, it's not for a sideburn trimmer. It's for one of their personal, uh, their their more personal products. Um, but it is going to be free giveaway. I am going to physically mail something myself. So make sure you get involved in that giveaway. That is, again, over on Twitter. And if you want to get something at Manscaped.com, I really think you guys should check it out. The, the really funny thing here is that I, I put this contest out, and a number of folks replied saying, man, I've been really looking forward to, like, here checking out their stuff. I've heard great things. It's like, okay, go buy something. Use our promo code ETHOS20. Get 20% off and free shipping. Some of you guys are doing it. That's, I presume, why they continue to advertise with us. But how about more? Let's do more. Manscaped.com promo code again is ethos20. Get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Also, please reach out if you're willing to rate and review the podcast, but you're having trouble figuring out where to do it. I'm more than happy to guide you through. Again, we can do that over on social. And, haven't done this in a while, recruiting call. Hey, do you do DFS or full season fantasy? Either one. For baseball, football, or basketball? We actually have a hockey podcast, too. So... Throw that in the mix. We have a fantasy disc golf podcast, so throw that in the mix. But certainly the biggest areas of needs would be the big, the sort of major three, and if you want to throw hockey, you can call it the big four also. Blake, I mean, that dude, what a great show. I don't know the first effing thing about hockey, but I know a good podcast when I hear one. Still, hit me up uh, on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, or email roster at sportsethos.com with interest, and I can happily tell you more, and help you get into the application pipeline. And that'll be that. Short show on this Wednesday, despite my uh, show opening pair of topics I wanted to go over. Meh. There's always more. There's always more. Luckily, he says sort of tongue-in-cheek, it is a mondo Wednesday. 13-game card. Make sure you don't start anybody that's injured today because you'll have plenty of dudes on your bench to fill those spots unless you have like nine guys injured. In which case, what are you going to do, man? Now, anytime I say that line now, I can't think of, I can't help but think of the, the decrepit old hormone monster on Big Mouth whose name eludes me for a moment. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Big recap show coming up on Thursday. And uh, we'll hopefully get to do that with Brew. Ooh, we haven't done a live show in a little bit because of Thanksgiving. I got to talk to the big dog. Anyway, stay tuned. We'll find out more. Toodaloo, everybody. Toodaloo.